Amen. Let's make our way back to our seats. And if you'd stand with me, amen, I'm going to invite you to turn uh, to the book of Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, and we're going to begin reading verse number 8. Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 8. Exodus is the second book in your Bible. Amen. And uh, it chronicles the exodus of the people of God from the land of Egypt and the making of a nation as they went from slaves uh, to becoming an independent, autonomous nation and a theocracy of Christ as king. And so in that journey uh, is where we find Exodus chapter 25 and God beginning to take them a little bit further in their understanding of the things of God and God uh, attempting to teach his people, uh, not just in this particular time frame of history, but also for us in 2020. Amen. To teach us uh, some things about the kingdom of God and how uh, that God works in the lives of men. Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of their tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall ye make it. And then if you just skip over a few pages in your Bible uh, to chapter 29 of the same book, Exodus chapter 29 and verse number 43. Exodus 29 and verse 43. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And the last verse, verse 45. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And just for a few moments tonight, amen, I'm very well aware of the time. I want to just uh, talk to you about. Uh, this simple thought, lessons from the tabernacle. Lessons from the tabernacle. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Lessons from the tabernacle. The tabernacle was God's first attempt at establishing a more of a permanent place in the lives of his people uh, through the vehicle of a building or an edifice. And here, as the children of Israel move through the wilderness and they are following the leadership of Moses and God speaks to their leader, Moses, and, and says, uh, I want you to begin to construct a tabernacle or a a." If you will, in the, in the modern vernacular, a church building, a place where I can go and I can meet with the people. Uh, the tabernacle of the Old Testament would later become the temple uh, as you move your way through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. 
And then as Jesus would come onto the scene, uh, he would be the embodiment. uh, He would be that representation of the housing of the the Spirit of God. And then as Jesus would move, uh, would, would ascend into heaven and he would give a promise to the disciples and said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will send to you uh, another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And and we see that God's presence begin to uh, dwell with in the church and the people of God. But I want to focus tonight on the tabernacle that we that we read about in the book of Exodus. Uh, And there is very relevant uh, and applicable uh, things that we can extrapolate from Scripture as we look at the tabernacle. The tabernacle was not only a type of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but each piece of furniture that uh, uh, was laid in the tabernacle was also an object lesson, teaching us more about the God that we serve. Jesus did not waste anything within the the, the sphere or the realm of the tabernacle. But each thing was strategically placed and designed by the Lord. Amen. To teach and to illustrate. Amen. Principles of our God. Amen. The tabernacle was a house where God chose to put his name. Hallelujah. Uh, the tabernacle was a place where men were to pray towards the tabernacle. The tabernacle was strategically placed right in the middle of the camp uh, where the, the, the children of Israel would dwell. And the Bible tells us that as the children of Israel would move through uh, the wilderness and they would find a new encampment, that the Bible says that there was three tribes that would be on the north and, and three tribes on the east and three tribes on the on the south and three tribes on the, on the west. Uh, for rather... Uh, the total of 12, excuse me for a minute, but the, the point that I'm trying to make tonight is that, uh, that Jesus wanted, God wanted uh, the people to understand that He was to be in the middle of their existence. He was to be right in the middle of their lives. He was to be the central focus of their lives. And as long as he would be in the middle and he would be the focus of their lives, there would be adequate direction and there would be uh, sufficient illumination for their lives. And there would be balance and there would be grounding in the lives of the people of God. The fact that the people were to pray towards the tabernacle, they were to pray towards the temple illustrates that our desires should be towards the things of God. The desires in our hearts and the the, the desires of our life and the passions of, of our lives should be first towards the things of God. And first and foremost, He must be number one in our lives. Hallelujah. The Bible says, And is anyone who seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. This is why you don't have to seek after riches. You don't have to seek after relationships. 
You don't have to seek after the, uh, the, the uh, material possessions that this world advertises ad nauseum in front of you. But if you will seek him first, if you will say, God, I really want all of the other things that life has to offer. But, but I want to make sure that as I start my day, I'm seeking you first. And you are the most important thing. And everything else will pale in comparison. But if I seek first the kingdom of God, everything else in my life will fall into proper order and into proper place. The tabernacle served two main purposes. It fulfilled, number one, it fulfilled God's desire to dwell among his people. As we read in Exodus 25 and verse 8, he says, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wants to be involved in your life. He wants to dwell among you. He wants to be involved in the decisions that we make in our lives. He does not want us to just do our own thing all the time. And I have an idea, so therefore I'm going to do this. But God, would you lead me? And would you guide me? Would you order my steps? Would you order my steps? His desire was to dwell among his people. He wants to be involved in your life. Let me stop and and say for a moment here. Don't make decisions without sufficient prayer. Don't make decisions in life unless it's been covered in prayer and it's been blessed by the man of God in your life. You You can be doing the right thing at the wrong time. And then you can do the wrong thing as well. And so you've got to pray, God, Order my steps. Be involved in my life. I want to invite your presence, God, to lead me and to guide me. I want you to order my steps. The second main purpose that the tabernacle served uh, was to furnish us, the church, to furnish the people of God with types and figures that would illustrate God's truth to us. Amen. So let's dive into a few things that I begin to write down in preparation for tonight. Amen. God desires to dwell among His people. Therefore, you had the tabernacle in the wilderness as God made uh, an effort to be involved in the lives of His people. God said, I'm going to make myself accessible to you. But you've got to be the one to reach out and to get a hold. And to, in the Old Testament, you had to go to the priest. The priest didn't go to where you were at. You had to say, I'm going to get myself a, a prized goat or a prized lamb or, or a prized turtle dove, whatever your stature in life was. I, I'm going to get me a bullock, a ram, and I'm going to get the best that I've got, not leftovers, not, not the bruise and the batter, but I'm going to find the best that I have in all of my pasture, and I'm going to approach the priest, and I'm going to say, Mr. Priest, would you offer this lamb for the sins of me and for my family? 
Would you offer this lamb as a sacrifice, as an atonement for the sins of me and for my family? And therein lies responsibility for the leadership in each home. Amen. To go before the Lord and say, Father, would you cover my family? Father, would you put your hand upon my home? If you're a man here tonight, cover my wife and cover my children. If you're a single mother tonight or you're the only one living for God, amen. God, cover my husband. Cover my children. Cover my life. I'm approaching you. Hallelujah. You've got to take that responsibility. So it was God dwelling among his people in the tabernacle in the wilderness, later in the temple, and then later on in the person of Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. Amen. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt in Greek literally means tabernacled. Hallelujah. God wanted to be involved in the lives of his people. And then finally it begins to make the transition in his presence. And he desired to dwell among his people in the church, in the house of God, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's why the psalmist could say, Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. You can have wonderful times of prayer at home. And you ought to. You can have wonderful times of prayer in your living room. And you ought to. You can have wonderful times of prayer on vacation. And you ought to. But nothing else compares to being in the house of God. Filled with His Spirit. As He dwells among His people. He desires to dwell among His people. And when His people come together in the church. He dwells among His people. It's still His desire to dwell among the people. There is and has always been in Scripture a gathering, an assembling, a coming together. Amen. From all over the the valley uh, in this specific location, a coming together. Amen. It's worth you and I getting into our cars, getting dressed up and coming to church on Wednesday night. It's worth the effort getting up early on Sunday morning, making time for prayer and making our way with our family to the house of God. Amen. At 1030 on Sunday morning here on 7th Street and Lathrop by the Bunny Life Center. It's worth it. It was worth it. It's worth every effort you will make. Hallelujah. To get into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The tabernacle and the temple was a type of Jesus. It was a house where God chose to put his name. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 29 says that thine eyes may be open towards this house. Night and day. Even toward the place of which thou hast said, my name shall be there. That thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. God begins to establish a central uh, point in the life of his people. Let your life revolve around the things of God. There's nothing wrong 
with a life that revolves around the things of God. A life that is centered upon church, centered upon a relationship with God. It's not old fashioned. It's not uh, old fashioned to, to be involved in the things of God. But that is the intent of our Father. That is the design of the Lord for His people. That there be a place that they come to and they dwell together. The body of Jesus was a temple where Jehovah placed his name. John chapter 5 and 43 says, I, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. Hallelujah. He put his name upon the place that he chose to dwell. He put his name, amen, upon the tabernacle in the wilderness. He said, I want my name to be right there on that tabernacle. When it was a temple that Solomon built, amen, it was to be a place where his name would be. And then when Jesus would show up onto the scene, amen, having the name of the Father, which is Jesus, the name of the Son, which is Jesus, the name of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus, amen. He said, it's all in him, the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. Amen. And his name was Jesus. Therefore, is it any wonder that as we move through the pages of history in the Bible, he says, I'm going to have me a church, Sister Nancy. I'm going to have me a church. And that church is going to have my name upon it. You say, well, how does that work? When you are baptized... In baptism, the waters of baptism by immersion, and they say the name of Jesus upon your life. The the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, are titles. They are offices. Father, I'm a son to my father. Amen. I'm a friend to Brother Noah. And, And all these different titles and offices and relationships. But God has always been concerned with putting his name upon the place that he dwells. That's why it's such a big deal to be baptized in the name of Jesus. He wants to put his name upon the place that he dwells. There was, as we move through this tonight, there was furniture in the tabernacle. And we're not going to dive into each one of these pieces of furniture tonight. Perhaps in a future lesson. But there was uh, six pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. They were arranged in special order. Uh, One was called the brazen altar. The other the brazen laver. And another the table of showbread. Another was the golden candlestick. The altar of incense. And the, the ark of the covenant. And all of these specific pieces of furniture. The Lord instructed that they be placed in specific locations. In a proper order that you had to go through to get to the Holy of Holies. You say, well, God is OCD. No, God is very particular about the process that you and I go through to get into his presence. God doesn't want you coming willy-nilly before his presence. God wants you to come intentional. God wants you to come through a process, through through steps and through procedures. Because when you get to the house of God and you get to the Holy of Holies, your heart's been washed. Your mind's been cleansed. Amen. You've taken of the bread of life. Amen. You've looked upon the golden candlestick. And you know that Jesus is the light of the world. And you wash in the water signifying baptism. Amen. You you 
I see that the incense begin to come up and then before your eyes and you see the sacrifice of praise and all of these things must transpire that when you get to the Holy of Holies and you get behind the curtain your heart's been cleansed. Hallelujah. And you're ready for what God wants to do. Some people, they just stop at the brazen altar. Some people just stop at the altar of incense. I'm satisfied just to worship. I'm satisfied just to come to church and worship. And it feels so good. I'm satisfied just to be baptized in his name. I'm satisfied just to have the Holy Ghost. I'm satisfied with just looking on the golden candlestick. Wow. You see all the candles. and he's The one in the middle is higher. And you see the candlestick. Some people are satisfied with that. But then there's others that say, I want the worship. I want the baptism. I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be a light. But is there more, Brother Noah? Can I go closer to his presence? And you can get into the Holy of Holies. There is a presence of God that awaits the eager Christian that says, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I want to know him. Amen. I want to know him. I want to know him intimately. I want to know him. I want him to know my name. I want to have that relationship with him. It's not enough that I was just baptized and knew the Holy Ghost. But I want relationship. I want to one day get into the Holy of Holies and fall on bended knee and say, God, would you reveal your glory in my life? Hallelujah. There is more that God has in store for your life. If all you do is just show up to church, service after service, and think that that's everything, there's more that God has for your life. God wants to reveal Himself to you, each and every one of you individually, in your own personal times of prayer. He wants each and every one of you to get your way and to push your way past the red curtain and find your way to the Holy of Holies and talk to Him. Hallelujah. Some people are satisfied with just listening to the podcast all day long. Some are satisfied just listening to YouTube preachings all day long. And there I say some are just are satisfied just reading their Bible all day long. And I'm not knocking any of those things. Those are healthy, good things. But when you say, I'm going to get into his presence. I'm going to find a place to pray with the Lord. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to block out every distraction, all the weights and all the sins and all the all the notifications on my phone. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn my phone off. And I'm going to get into his presence. Get into his presence. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to a generation tonight that has the most distractions 
anybody's ever faced in the, in the history of mankind, it seems like. We have phone chargers that hold our phone upright so we can see it all day long. And these phones will go off. Mine already has like six notifications already. And, and we'll get notification of notification. This person liked your photo. And this person's dog got out of the house and, and, and all of these things. You've got to turn it off face down. Say, God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? Where am I at right now in my life? Versus where do you want me to be, God? I've got to get into your presence. God chose one of the 12 tribes of Israel to be ministers of the tabernacle. That group, that tribe was from the tribe of Levi. That was known as the Levites. And God chose the Levites from among the rest of the tribes of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. I've said that a little bit quickly, but I want you to pay special attention to what I said tonight. God chose the tribe of Levi to do the service of the tabernacle. The Levites were God-appointed ministers in the tabernacle. The Levites were not self-appointed by their brothers. The Levites were not the, uh, the, the ones that drew the short straw, the long straw, the game of straws. The Levites were not the one that as they cast in lots, it fell upon Levi. The Levites were not chosen because they were head and shoulders above everybody else. But the Levites were chosen by God. It was God-appointed leadership. And let me say it like this tonight. God-appointed leadership is the only legitimate spiritual leadership in 2020. If it's not God-appointed, it is illegitimate. And I know that's not popular preaching or teaching in this day and age in which we live. But if it's not God-appointed, if it's not God-called, it's illegitimate tonight. Some people will say, well, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do. Amen. I, there, there's a void here, so I'll fill the gap. And I'll, I'll just start a Bible study in my area. Uh, I'll just do something. Uh, but, but if it's not God appointed, if it's not God called, you'd better watch out. Man appointed leadership is destined for failure and will surely take others down with it. Again, he's got to be at the center of our lives. He's got to be the driving force of our lives. God-appointed leadership. Why did God choose the Levites? He chose the Levites to do the service of the tabernacle because of their stand for the Lord. When the, the day came that the Israelites began to uh, they began to push, they began to put pressure upon Aaron the priest, and they began to pressure Aaron to make them a golden calf that they could idolize and that they could worship and that they could fall before and say, This is the God that brought us out of the land of Egypt. But it was was a tribe of Levite that began to say, not so fast. We've got to take a stand against the Shion of our day. Hallelujah. In Exodus 32 and 26, 
the Bible says then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said who is on the Lord's side and let him come unto me and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him hallelujah God wants you and I to stand for righteousness and refuse to join ourselves to the sinful world around us. Amen. You don't think Levi, the tribe of Levi, was out, felt outnumbered when the other 11 tribes were bowing down and saying, oh, golden calf, whatever name they came up with, that golden calf, you're the, you're the one that delivered us from Egypt. You don't think the tribe of Levi felt the pressure you just imagine, picture yourself and your entire family. And you're the only one in your own house that refuses to bow down. That's a lot of pressure. But as you take stands for God and you see sin encroaching in the camp, you stand for what's right. And you say, God, I know what's right. I will not bow my knee. I will not bend my knee to the sin that's prevalent around me. And in this day in which we live, sin is prevalent. Sin is rampant. Sin is encroaching itself even into the church. Sin is encroaching itself into the church. We're now in 2020, it's okay, amen, to, uh, to legitimize homosexuality and the marriage between a, a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And even it's, it just it gets sickening, amen. It's, it's popular now in Christendom, amen, to legitimize the sins of the world. And everybody around is saying equity and, and, and equality and, and inclusion and diversity. And we believe in diversity. Let me tell you, the church should be the most diverse group of people on the face of the earth. Because the church will model what heaven looks like. Black and red and yellow, brown and white. And every shade of skin color. Amen. From every tribe and every tongue and every walk of life. The rich, the middle class the poor and everywhere in between the church should model what it looks like. But the world would say you need to endorse homosexuality. You need to endorse abortion. You need to endorse the sins of the world. But the church is a final stop and the push against hell. The church must remain resolute and say as for me in my house we will serve the Lord. The pressure that we feel in this current day will only continue to intensify. It will intensify. It will intensify. The Bible says in the last days, there's a parable that the Lord told about the wheat and the tares. And the husbandman of the farmer said, uh, we want the wheat. We don't want the tares, but we're afraid to. If we if we take out the the tares that are in the wheat field, we might destroy the the wheat, the good wheat, the good crop. And the the story goes in the in the gospels that uh, Jesus said, "Let them be. Leave the wheat and the tares together, because in the last day, I'm going to sort out the wheat 
and the tares. I'm going to sort it out. You don't have to sort out the wheat and the tares. There are people, there'll be people that come to the church and say, well, he's not for real. He's a hypocrite. He's fake. He's phony. Look at her over there. I know what she did last night. You asked me. Let me sort it out. And God says, you are not in charge. I will sort out the wheat and the tares. And in the last day, it will be revealed. There will be those that fall away. And there will be those that stand tall. As God says, I'm going to sort it out. I'm going to, I'm going to make it clear who is my people. And so I'm talking about the Levites just for a moment here. But God chose the Levites because of their stand for the Lord. As God rewarded the Levites for their bold stand against idolatry, which was a sin of their day. So God will reward those who take a stand for him amidst an unbelieving people. We haven't begun to touch all the different things in the tabernacle tonight. We might be here several more weeks talking about it. But let me talk about one more thing tonight. The tabernacle, one of the things that it taught was being spirit-led. While Israel was on the march, it was necessary to have a building that they could carry from place to place. It was always the Spirit of God that led them. In the Old Testament, we read about the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And the Bible says that as the pillar of cloud began to move, and the people of God saw that His presence was moving, that was the sign for His people to begin to pack up their belongings and put things back together and put it on their backs and begin to follow the cloud and follow the presence of God and follow the Spirit of God and follow what God was doing. And then as they begin to follow the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, as they would be on that journey through that wilderness for those 40 years, all of a sudden they would see, okay, God stopped here. His presence stopped moving. That must be the sign that we're to stop. And we're to make this the place where we're to be at for the next while. We are to follow after his presence. We are to follow after his presence. If the people of God was to say, well, I don't like where I'm at. Why did God call me to this part of the wilderness? This is ugly. This is uncomfortable. The Levites are telling me, well, this is the, you see the cloud. This is where God has us. But I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It, it doesn't fit me well. I like the views of the lake. I, I, like, I like the views of the river. I like to be among green pastures. Why did, he, why did the cloud to stop right here? It's ugly here. It's uncomfortable here. Why did it stop here? I'll just go ahead and find my own place. And you know what? I know how to build a tabernacle. I, I heard the instruction that God gave Moses. I'll just go where I want to go. And I'll do my own tabernacle. And if a person would have been of such persuasion, I don't care about the cloud. 
I know what it takes. I'll just go here. I'll just pack up my bags. I'm not going to consult Aaron or, or Moses or the high priest or, or my Levite. I'm not going to consult anybody. I'll just take off and do my thing. They would step out of the protection of God upon the people of God. And I don't know about you, but for me, that scares me. Everything could go well in my life, Brother Noah. And you know what? Everything is going well in my life right now. God's been good to me. But if if I get outside of his will, and I say, well, I'll just do what I want to do. Because I don't like it where I'm at right now. I've been there. I know you've been there. You have been in places where you didn't like it. But the reason you're still here today is because you recognize even though I may not like it, this is where God has called me. This is where God has placed me. And if I'll be faithful in where I am, he'll bless me and he'll take care of me. And so the one thing, another thing that was taught from the tabernacle and the plan of God was that if they would follow God, everything would be all right. It never was the case that Moses or Aaron or anybody in the tribe or anybody in the the camp said, I'm going to lead the way now. Cloud, you follow me. God did not follow them. They had to follow God. God, the cloud did not follow the people. The people had to follow the cloud. They had to follow him. Amen. It was fire by night and it was cloud by day. In that hot and dry and cold at night desert and wilderness, that pillar of fire over them over on the nighttime was the thing that kept them warm. That cloud by day was the thing that kept them cool. Amen. And God kept his hand upon them. But make no mistake about it, God did not follow them. They had to follow God. And that was the plan of God for their life. I'm going to stop right there tonight for the sake of time. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Amen. I believe we'll continue this on the coming Wednesdays. But there is a message for the people of God tonight. Follow after God. Keep Him number one in your life. Don't get ahead of God. Take a stand for what's right. These are things that will bless your life. Amen. God has a particular way of doing things. And I cannot get in front of God if I want to be blessed. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how much I want to leave or run or or hide, I'm going to say, God, what's your will for my life? I will follow you, God. There's been times, amen, when I said, man, I don't want to go to church tonight. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm stressed out. This and that. I haven't had the time that I need. But there was a plan that God had for me. And as long as I stayed obedient to the plan of God, as long as I followed after Him, God always, will always, has always, 
made a way in my life. And he'll make a way in your life. Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship him tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Come on, let's take a few moments tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We praise your holy name, Lord. Hallelujah. We're not going to be a whole lot longer tonight, but would you take a few moments? Amen. Where you're at tonight, would you just slip up a hand and talk to him for a few moments? Jesus, I want to hear your word tonight. Jesus, I want to be sensitive to your voice tonight. Jesus, I want your will for my life. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to do your will, God, above all else. God, there is a perfect pattern, a perfect plan that you have laid out for every one of our lives that are here tonight, Father. And I am praying right now, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, principles from your word. And Lord, let us not just learn them and acquire understanding, but let us apply it to our lives, God. I pray you would help each and every one of us to take the word that was taught, the word that was preached, the word that was declared tonight, and help us to put it into practice, God. Help us to follow you. God, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's things that we don't like and it goes against the grain and ruffles our feathers, even when it's not, doesn't seem like it suits our taste and it's not our first choice, I'll follow you, God. I will follow you, God. I will not get out from the cloud of authority, the cloud of protection, the cloud of guidance for my life. I will follow the cloud. I will follow the Spirit of Christ in my life. I will stay under that umbrella of authority in my life. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let your word get deep into our hearts tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I challenge you, amen, as you move through this week, amen, between now and Sunday, uh, to get your Bible out. And to read through Exodus 29 about the tabernacle. And ask the Lord, what does this mean for my life? What does it mean for my life? Speak to me, God. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Shake someone's hand. Amen. Invite someone to church on Sunday morning. We'll see you back. Lord bless you. Love every one of you in Jesus' name.